Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 125 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. Rob Murray's my name, and on this episode, what matters is all the stuff that's happened between the last time we recorded and now. And let me tell you, that is quite a bit. For all sorts of reasons, we haven't had one of these roundtables since September last year. And if a week's a long time in politics, then four months is an eternity in golf. Given that, let's get straight into today's episode, starting with introducing my co-host from the US, writer, blogger, author, analyst, substacker, Jeff Shackelford. Jeff, might be a bit to get through this episode. It's been a long wait. <laughs> yeah, we have. Uh, well, especially we're just coming off a busy week last week that uh, was, was rather lively. But yeah, I think we should uh, think about some big picture items to uh, consider. There's a lot going on in the world. We get caught in the 24-hour wash of news cycle, yeah. don't we? It happens in all things, including golf, and we forget to bring the lens out. So we might try and do that today. That's a good call. And from closer to home, well, closer to my home. Anyway, touring pro, former Australian amateur champion, course architect, caddy, and commentator on the game, Mike Clayton. Clates, you had a front row seat to some pretty remarkable golf last Saturday and Sunday, carrying the bag for Elvis Smiley at the TPS Victoria Rosebud. Do you remember the halcyon days when you used to be that young flamboyant buoyant player shooting the numbers on the weekend and getting all the attention well i was at 20 i was three and a half years away from turning <laughs> pro and he's been a pro for two years so um he almost repeated his 63 63 weekend of two years ago shot 64 63 but he messed up in the end it was kind of partly my fault but um, <laughs> he messed up but it was ah, good my caddy fault. take Beautiful. the blame Done. That's yeah. Right. yeah you know we um he should have shot well he was 30 yards off the 14th green with a pretty easy pitch up the hill and two driver midline par fives to come and didn't birdie any of them. So he was kind of – 60 was definitely really – from where he was, it was almost par in for 60. So he um, – So what happened, Clates? What happens in that – a player who's clearly hot, he's playing well, he's holding well, parts. Well, the mistake I made was because I assumed he was still behind I got my phone out to look at the scores, and he saw that he was in the lead after he drove on 14. And you never know. And a friend of mine said, look, you can't worry about that because if he's playing a big tournament, there's going to be a leaderboard he's going to see. So he kind of – he didn't hit a bad pitch into 14, just not quite hard enough, came up 10 feet short, up the hill and missed it. Pushed his – 15's a funky driving hole. Hogs back where you're hitting across the hogs back because the tee's in a bad spot and always has been. And they need to move it, but he kind of hit it through the fairway down the hill, and he had sort of a fly lie. And as you do these days, he had 180 something meters and hit a seven iron, 200 odd yards for for those who don't work in meters. Because he hit that the day before from the fairway and flown it pin high. And I'm kind of saying it's a six iron. I was now give me the seven, I can get it there. And of course he did. So it looked like it might fly, and he had less to the front, and he came up short, chipped it six foot under the hole, and missed it. And then laid the side over the six iron after a beautiful drive on 16, came up just short of the green and didn't get that up and down either. So it was what it was. It was, a, But it was a good week. He played well. He, We've got six more tournaments here before the summer of so. golf ends. Yeah, I think so. And he's the top three on the main list get a card for Europe in Europe. 2024. And okay. a kid called Dave Michaluzzi's got that, got one of those places wrapped up so there are two more to play for really so that's really the focus of the next six weeks for him so i'm counting a couple of them probably three of them so the so, cards for the the the, sorry, the for the european the challenge no no the for european. the main tour in europe so the main tour okay yes yeah, so, so michaluzzi gets that exemption in 2024 
which is a bigger deal than most people think. Fans don't give a rat's about this sort no, of stuff, but it's super but, important for players, isn't it, Clades? Yeah. Well, what's well, I mean, I came for Elvis the first stage of the tour school in Europe. He shot 13 under and finished second behind Takumi Kanai, the Japanese kid. And then he shot, he went to Spain and shot 13 under and missed. So he shot 26 under and didn't get, even get to the final. Um, Takumi shot 22 under at Mottram Hall. No, he shot 17, 17 under at Mottram Hall, 22 under in the second stage, and then he shot 13 or 14 under in the final. So he was 50-something under par, 54 under par, I think, and didn't get a card. Didn't get through. It's, <laughs> didn't, didn't get a card. It's the and that's so, uh, maybe why he's going to live. <laughs> is he going to live, is he? Is he? Hey, I think he's at the... Uh, I saw some chatter on on the Twitter machine, uh, which I don't use as much now. But I did see that he was he's, I believe, playing the Saudi International this week, and uh, there's a, but, some speculation, I believe. Yeah, but the, I mean, lots That's of what, gu- I mean, lots of guys are playing the Saudi International who aren't live players, right? But yeah, I don't know what it was that made people uh, feel like that was the giveaway. I'm not I'm not sure, uh, but but he has a you know a little bit of a fan base on on uh, some of, with some of the people I follow, so they seem okay. fairly. Heartbroken that this was the, the coming news. Because I think that player. I mean, I don't player. think that I mean, I haven't been on the Japanese tour for years. I don't think it's doing that well. They've lost no. tournaments. The women have got thirty-eight tournaments, I think, and the men have got about just over twenty. Yep. Mm. The money, the money hasn't moved in pretty much in thirty years. So Rio Isatsune, who Tommy Watson caddies for a little bit, who's been on the pod, Tommy, a while ago, he. Yeah. He came down and played the Australian PGA, finished second, played well in the Australian Open. He went to the European Tour School and got. He finished, I think, eighth in the final. And Tommy's view, view was that he just doesn't like playing in Japan much. Mm. And nor does Kanai. They both want to get out and mm-hmm. play around the world, which is so. Rio has a card in Australia, Europe, Asia, and Japan. He's and he's twenty-one years old. He's got four cards. Wow. Oh, jeez. Which, which is a pretty, <laughs> pretty impressive, isn't it? Nice place to be when you're 21 years old and you're a hell of yeah. a player. Yeah. And he was he was 17th on the Japanese mail list last year, so it's not like he's not doing well in Japan. But you know, in a way, it's good to see those kids trying to get out and play around the world. Well, it's a real shift, isn't it, Clates? The 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 knock on Japanese players of the past has always been they were too insular and stayed at home too much, didn't yeah. travel well, didn't play as well when they went overseas. It's nice to see that shift because they do have some great players, obviously. It would yeah, be nice well, to see them on the stage. And in the in the 80s and 90s, when you were Jamba or Aoki or Nakajima, who did travel a reasonable amount to the majors at least, and Nakajima, he, I remember him playing the European Open and he, he played quite a bit. Um, why would you travel? Oh, they were playing exactly. for pretty much the same amount of money as the PGA Tour was in 1990. Yeah, because the yen was strong, the economy was flying. They had their own superstars up there, so the crowds were fantastic. And you know, you, so the, the game's changed a lot up there, which is we forget that in Australia, don't we, Clates? We're very critical of American players and the PGA Tour and staying at home and not travelling. If we had in Australia what the PGA Tour has in America, no one Leish- would Leishman, Smith, yeah. and Norman would yeah. never have left these shores. Yeah. No. Why would you? Is exactly yeah. the right question. Yeah. Why would? Yeah. You? Yeah, and, and it would be a amazing tour. You would just mm. stay with, jump on a plane, fly to Perth, stay with friends. Now it would work the way the European, the the, the yeah, PGA the tour does. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Just on Elvis, is sixty three, sixty three. A couple of years ago, sixty three, sixty four. I know the numbers are a bit skewed because the courses don't play. The, the amount they're shooting under par is probably not really representative, is it? Because Rosebud's not as difficult as some of the other courses. But yeah, it's a good course, but the par fives are. 
well, drive a seven iron, drive a six iron. You just yeah, yeah, they drive a midline. So it's a realistic par sixty eight, and literally every par four on the weekend, bar one where he hit a tree and dropped down, and had to hit nine iron, was a driving a wedge. And is that true for most of the field, or is obviously a bit special? He's long. Well, he's longer than well. They're all long. I mean, every no. kid is out there is long now, but yeah, it's true for the you know the shorter hitters. Were we play with Marcus Fraser, who's forty six, and because the of all the Saudi money going to the Asian tour, Fraser's quit his <laughs> job as back a, up, has he? <laughs> he? He's quit his job as a teaching pro at Peninsula Kingswood, and he's back on the Asian tour at forty six years old. And oh. you know, Elvis plays with Fraser, and Fraser's up. He's a short hitter. He hits at 270 yards. So, you know, he's he's 30 yards back on every hole, really. But mm. Great player, by the way, Marcus Fraser. Does amazing things with that game. Of his yeah. that he's got not in yeah. it very far. Yeah. Really quite impressive. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, is it that much different? Close? I, I guess what I was getting at there, people say the hardest thing to do is back up a low round with another low round. Probably not quite so much sort of a rosebud there. But... What's harder, a tournament where you've got to shoot 66, 66, 67, 65 to win or a tournament where you've got to shoot 70, 71, 69, 72? Which is harder, the relentless pressure to make birdies where pars feel like bogeys or the tournament where pars feel like you've earned that well and birdies are, are really uh, well, I think all, all tournaments are hard to win, but it's, well, it's, it's the hardest tournament to win is the US Open, right? You know, just I don't know. Right? Grinding out of that rough all day, and uh, yeah, the, the open's pretty tough too. Uh, yeah, I mean, every, every time it's tough to every win. Yeah. I, um, I would say that the harder course is more difficult to win on because you've got to play better. Right. You, you know, if, if you having said that, if you shot four sixty eight last week, you weren't anywhere. No, that's right. But 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 that was par. Yeah. Yeah. Realistic. Yeah, it's. I mean, like people were wondering, you know, Sam Ryder collapsed on Sunday at Torrey Pines and high, rough, narrow fairways. Mm -hmm. And there's just no way you're going to have four outstanding days on a setup like that. There's going to be one day, right? That's just not yeah. ideal. Yeah. And it's how you manage that. And that's why Rom and McElroy are winning right now because they, they even on their, their non A game, they seem to get it around those days. And that's, uh, but it's like people were just sort of mystified. Well, he, he's played well for three days, and it's it's yeah. almost probably got to be in your head. Like, can I do this four days in a row? <laughs> yeah. Not easy. No. Yeah. But the real, the obvious anti-highlight of the two courses we saw on the weekend were how bad, oh, the, how, how, how bad the mowing lines are. It's just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. I, I mean, you could make Rosebud much harder. When the fairways are generous, you don't uh, – because all, all Australian courses have generously wide fairways because we don't have rough, really. We have sandy, wispy stuff on the edge and trees further away. But, you know, we don't distort the mowing lines like we saw in Dubai and Torrey Pines where the courses just look like grossly deformed who, versions of yeah, golf, really. Yeah. They're horrible. Who, all who the horrible stuff around the greens. And yeah. Who thinks visually that's attractive, do you reckon, Shaq? Who looks at the aerials on the TV and says, oh, gee, that looks fantastic? There must be a cohort of people who do. Uh, well, I know the guy who does the advanced setup at Torrey, and his view is just it's it's they want that tournament to be different than you know Riviera doesn't have much rough, so that that's what we're going to do here. I just don't know why of all the venues on a public course in a place where we have water issues, and you're just doing that that narrow fairway high, and they keep that ryegrass rough now year round. I mean, I just can't even fathom what the water is is, that is like. 
is that a sensible policy to base what no. you do with your golf course on what another golf course does in a tournament? How are those well, two things kind of yes, related? From, do you know what I mean? From the schedule perspective, yeah, I think they want to have variety. They they kind of the, the tour wants they don't want to be they've been accused of having the same thing every week. So I get that element that they want to mix it up and they want to have some weeks where where they they have to play a certain kind of game and then other weeks they have to play another or they they don't want to the players have criticized them for a sameness to setups. So they're and they work for the players. I don't know. Clint and by the way, they got a very good field. Uh, whereas this week they have a terrible field and they're playing much better golf courses. So it didn't deter guys from from playing. And or well, or yeah, <laughs> the pro am clearly deters a lot of people. Yes, that's and, right. It's not uh, the for format everybody, now, is it? Pebble Beach is, is not for everyone. Fascinating so, yeah. in itself. Clates, what about that notion of um, – or we, we talk about in architecture, you know, that the land should dictate the golf course. Shouldn't the golf course dictate the setup as opposed to, well, next week we're playing this, so we're going to set this course up yeah, of course, a different yeah. way, whether or not it really should be set up that way? There seems to be something wrong with that idea. Yeah, you just should cut the golf course properly. I mean, yeah. why, why are you just, just destroying the dimensions of the golf course to create some sort of test that's different from the one next week at, Riv- next week at Riviera or whatever it is? Or you know, the, the, the thing that amazes – me and others about American golf. Everyone talks about the influence Augusta has, yet, yet it almost has no influence over the, the way golf courses are cut. You know, there's no rough around the greens. There's wide fairways. There's, you know, it's cut like Royal Melbourne is. It's beautiful. And you go to Torrey Pines, and why wouldn't you cut the same way? I don't get it. I mean, even though it's a different golf course, it would be clearly better if it was mowed like an Australian golf course. The scores would be lower, and you'd be able to drive the ball you know, you, you you could be less straight with a driver, and but is that such a bad thing that you know? I don't know. Have you got pursed lips there, Shaq? I don't feel like you're agreeing a hundred percent with. Uh... I I I it's it's tough because I I I understand the concept. And oh. for instance, Riviera, they don't have Steve Rintoul does the setup, and he doesn't have a lot of rough because he knows the greens are small, and if you're out of position, you're it, it can it can withstand that. It, that kind of setup because of the architecture. I just don't think the architecture of Torrey Pines, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. It's just so bad. You know, every green's the same and they're, they're clunky the way they're built. And there's no real, there's just not much strategy. I mean, I'm not disagreeing. It should be wider and I don't get the harvesting a rough and we're in a, even though we've had a lot of rain lately, we're in a drought. And the idea that that place is a, is a ryegrass farm year round. Um, is nuts. It's just, it's just, it's just nuts. It's the amount, and it's a big property. So it's a lot of water. So it, 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 yeah, it's, I just think there isn't enough architecture out there, um, to, to do what Clates is saying. It's just, there just, just isn't that much great, truly great architecture. And by the way, Augusta, they do a bunch of things that make the fairways probably some of the worst they play all year and that stop the ball from yeah. running. And it would yeah, be totally great. different if they, uh, let the ball run more there and maybe some, maybe with this, whatever distance rollback that comes that will, that will allow them to stop uh, this fairway mowing thing they do, which is yeah. effective. It really does stop the ball. They mow back to the tee. Is that right? Check. They mow it back yeah. To yeah. To and they the leave it long. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's not a good, I mean, fa- Tory's fairways are way better. Uh, yeah. They cut them tight and they don't do this. I mean, this laying over and the grass is kind of, uh, you know, you hear the guy say it and it's why you see some funky, uh, chunks now and then when you when you miss it a little bit hitting into the grain like that it kind of 
yeah. it doesn't go well. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just tricky. I, it's tricky, and with yeah. all the stuff that goes into the game, and the guys wanting variety, and the players having more say than ever. I mean, Clayts knows this uh, as a tournament director. He, he, I'm sure he just <laughs> got bombarded with ideas during the uh, Sandbelt. Yeah. How did that go, Clayts? Uh, Sandbelt was good. Yeah, it was. It was. It was good because uh, Cam Davis and Mamoka Kabori, Japanese New Zealand girl, uh, had a great match. I mean, mean, Cam had a driver from 280 yards to 12 feet in the 17th hole and went a shot ahead because she she drove it 20 yards past him off her tee and then hit a good three with about 60 metres short of the green. And for once, mm-hmm. didn't get it up and down. So it was interesting the contrast between the PGA Tour player and the she's got a LET card now, mm. having a great match. And it was really, because and it showed that. I mean, we play a lot of mixed golf down here now. So, so there was a Korean girl won the tournament at Rosebud on the weekend, and they I think they do it the wrong way. They they move the women's tees so far forward relative to how far they hit the ball that. To try and even the scores out, and the way the sandbelt we we do it, we change the pars. So, and the winning score is relative to par, and we, and we keep the women's course longer than it would otherwise be. What do the players prefer, Clates? Have you had any feedback? Out not of those really, two, options? not really. But but I think because you know the first and second were, were man and a woman, I, I think it worked pretty well. Hmm. So essentially, Jeff, the the men's parage seventy one at Kingston Heath and seventy three for the women. The rest are seventy-two and seventy for the men, and the, and it works pretty well. Yeah, I mean, there's no mm. perfect way to do it. Obviously, no, there's no you, perfect you, way to you'll play never men and women to try and even it out. But no, I, I think changing the par and making the winning score relative to par is a much better way to do it than moving the women's tees so far forward to try and make it an even fight. Mm. So we saw that when Lynn Grant won that tournament in Sweden by a mile last year. I mean, she was. Yeah, you know, the tees were way forward, and she was playing a, you know, she was driving at two hundred eighty yards as the best women do, and becomes a pitch and putt affair. So, of course, that you know, if they play well, they're going to win. Mm. Yeah, there know, is no perfect way to do it, but no. no. In the spirit of pulling the lens back, as we sort of suggested, we might do at the start of the show, show shack, isn't that we get wrapped up in the 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 week to week and what should we should we change the distances or change the paths? If you start with the goal that the golf should be entertaining. Sandbelt Invitational, TPS Victoria, last year when Hannah Green won at TPS Murray. If entertaining golf is the goal, kind of the rest of it doesn't matter in some ways, doesn't it? We've had entertaining golf. I wonder whether we lose sight of that sometimes, worrying about how fair it is and all the other arguments that we have about that sort of stuff. We've had these, these TPS events have been fantastic down here as spectacles. You could watch that not being a golfer and go, that is hugely interesting. Uh, that's been one of the most interesting things in course setup. I think the last few years is more people realizing that that they need to put on a sh- good show and the, and allowing the players to put on a show is part of it, and not punishing them or uh, or that a good show is a, a birdie fest. That there is that place in between, and that the real entertainment is when they when they drive a par four, or go for a par five and two, and we see skill on display. So I think we've made good progress on that that front that 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 uh the players understand that a little bit more too i mean so many of them had a mentality that you're you're either trying to humiliate us or you're trying to do this to us and um and there's still some of that for sure 
but I think that we're uh, we're in a better place for the most part most weeks that people are are aware that that uh, in fact that was kind of one of the surprises of live to me last year was slugger looked like he uh, set up the courses too hard and the golf was not as entertaining um because they were one playing bad courses which right there they were already on a yeah you should have just made a birdie fest because you're on bad architecture and then mm. um and then you're and then you're setting them up tough and i mean that's the other thing that's that's really been uh and i i think fun to watch and i think you guys agree that that we've seen more people aware that it's their job to take the the good stuff and the design and allow it to to shine and allow the players to to kind of bring that whole meeting of skill and brain and architecture features and and setup and 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 when it all comes together it's beautiful to watch, you know, and it really is what's made people more aware. I think of why we get into course design, because when you do see that course set up the right way and you see the dynamics of the design on display, it's just like seeing something in a, in a beautiful theater or, or a great sports venue. Uh, just the whole, when all that comes together, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's the come, fun. It's the come together, isn't it, Jack? I've often said this about the 2009 Masters down here, Clates at Kingston Heath, which Tiger won. Yeah, you, you can have the world's greatest violin, and if it's just sitting there, there's no kind of point to it. And if the world's greatest violin player doesn't have a violin, well, there's kind of no point to it. But you put the two of them together, which is yeah. kind of what we saw with Tiger at Kingston Heath that year, they make this amazing music. And I think... Lots of people think about architecture as a static idea. Clates holes are designed this way, and you look at them and think about it's when they're played that they really come to life, don't they? And, and that was the most interesting thing about the sandbelt tournament because the the idea is for you know the good players to play with the kids, and we try and spread the draw around a bit. We don't just draw it straight off the numbers. But Kabori and Davis played the last three rounds together at uh, Royal Melbourne the second day, Yarriera the third day, and Peninsula Kings with the fourth day. Because because they were kind of clearly the two who were most likely to win, and we drew them together. And the contra on great courses. I mean, Royal Melbourne obviously, Yarra Yarra and Peninsula. Royal Melbourne a great course. The other two, not really really great. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, when I talk about, I mean, great. I mean, great. Of probably, course. Yeah. You know, Hogan and Nicholas and Jones and Woods, great. Not Greg Norman, great. Right. So um, <laughs> they played three <laughs> days together, and they were. Yeah, the, the contrast, but you know, we've got one guy driving at three hundred and ten yards, and you know, the woman driving at two hundred and thirty or two hundred and forty. I mean, she's five foot two, and um, but they both played those holes the way they played them. I mean, obviously, much different in terms of how they played them and, and the questions the holes were asking. But they both played them be beautifully and 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 had a great match. Hmm. So it was great fun to watch it. Yeah. Just because of the stark contrast in how they played the holes, but but they both played them in their own way and, and both played the courses really well. So people say, well, like, you know, the, in the ball debate, well, you, well, you just want to see the course played how it's supposed to be played. Well, how's it supposed? Is it Cam Davis or Kabori? I mean, how are you supposed to play? There are clearly two different ways to play, it, and both of them are interesting. But I would argue that the way she played it was actually much more interesting than the way he played it. If Cam Davis only hit at 230 yards, would he have shot the same number that Momoko Kabori shot? Uh, no, probably not. Not, not from, the, from the same teasonal is what I'm saying. I mean, if you if you, if you you switch them out, 
you know, you went back 40 or however far, you've got to go back where Cam Davis is one of the world's best players and yeah. hitting it sort of standards where he's hitting at that 230 and playing that course. Do they produce the same noise? The likely answer is probably actually yes, Clates. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she yeah. was – She's. I mean, she was world-class with the wedge well, in her hand. She's a very special sort of talent. Yeah. You hear a lot yeah. more of her uh, over the coming years. No yeah. question about that. But, but again, you pull that lens back, and what we got was really interesting golf. I'm not sure you could have this link, longer discussion about most tournaments, most weeks on most tours. No. Well, I, and the great thing about the Sandbelt tournament is we played Kingston Heath the first day was that every day is different because you're going to a different golf course, yeah. and they're all brilliant golf courses. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, you know, once you get to Sunday at a regular tournament, you're kind of fed up with the golf course because you've been there for six days already. But going to a new venue every every day and watching different golf and different holes and mm. it's 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 really fun to watch. What do you do about the setup with that close? I remember Jeff Ogilvie said last year the danger is that you end up playing four Sundays because each course wants its course to play the toughest yeah. when the field which, comes which, through. Which, How do you get around that? How, or do you get around that? Well, which was what happened the first year, a little bit. No, I think it was pretty good this year. And the, the, the clubs obviously want to show their courses off in their mm. best light, and and they're, you know, they were, they, and I thought they were set up perfectly, really. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And can anybody else remember the last time? I remember Montgomery did it, I think, in Dubai one year. The last time someone hit driver off the deck at a crucial moment to essentially play the, the tournament winning shot, Cam Davis on the 71st hole, as you said, Clates. What a thing to see. What a thing that's been lost from the game in some ways, the driver off the deck. Made a little bit of a comeback in recent years, but not like we used to see sometimes. Well, you don't see it because no. you don't have to do it very often. Yeah, it's just right. a long par five. And yeah. So, yeah, it was a cool shot. Yeah, quite amazing. And full kudos to Cam Davis for coming down and playing. And all the players yeah. got a bit of profile. There's no real compunction. There's no need for them to go and play the Sandbelt Invitational. If you look at what a professional golfer's, what they do with their life yeah. and their work and their schedules, full marks yeah. to him for coming down and doing that. He, he was great. great well, he came down with Neil Smith, who Australian guy who played the PGA Tour for a year. He kind of – no one had ever heard of him in Australia. He was a – he won the Q it, school, it was, didn't he, if I recall? He, he won the Q school and he said, look, I was nowhere near good enough to play the tour and I proved that <laughs> in my year out there. So he's sort of become a kind of a mental coach and he, and he works with Cam and he said, look, we came because it was just a great chance to work on stuff for next year, just work on things he's going to do next year. And so he thought it was a – he, 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 he had a really fun week. And, and, in fact, it was funny. He kind of messed up on the end on, at Yarra Yarra on the third day and I saw Neil the next day. He said, yeah, we went back to the hotel and spoke about it. And he said, you know, I stopped. I, I got away from doing what we were doing, which was practicing for next year and working on some stuff with my swing. And so I started to get stressed about the tournament. Wow. Which was kind of interesting. There's a lesson yeah. in that, isn't there? <laughs> Cam that he'll take with him for the rest <laughs> yeah. of his life, you would think. Yeah, because she wouldn't go away. Yeah, he was just – she was right there. And, he, you know, he duffed a chip at the last and didn't birdie the 16th, which was an easy – you know, just – so he kind of got back into it on Sunday, and, and and it was a for him it was a it was a great match really. Yeah, absolutely. He's an interesting player, isn't he? he? He produces these extraordinary Sundays when he came out of nowhere to win the Australian Open in 2017, uh, and I think he's done, he did similar on the Corn Ferry Tour when he first won there. And I'm not sure it was quite that way when he won it, won on the PGA Tour, but he's one of those players who. It gets to a point on Sunday where he seems to find that gear, Clayton. Yeah. Nervous and jumpy and all the rest of it for the first three and a half days. But if he's got a chance with nine holes to go, something happens and the, the talent just comes out because he's, uh, he's fabulous. How is all that viewed from outside? We, of course, we had the Sandbelt. We had the Mixed Australian Opens, Shaq, which I'm particularly keen to get your views on. I yeah. feel like it was viewed differently from within Australia to perhaps because yeah. we're looking well, at different I, things. And I never really uh, dwelled or 
I kind of checked out in the second half of December trying to take a little break. I, I, I loved it. I watched it. I thought the, the, the finish was fantastic. I thought TV did a great job with what was probably a limited budget of tracking the different finishes. And, uh, gosh, it was just fantastic having the, the adaptive players and then the women's finish and the men's finish and they were all good finishes. And, uh, the golf was, of course, you know, Victoria is just, just so fun to watch on TV. It just, uh, so much better than what they normally play. Mm. So I don't know. Was the I, was the media Wi-Fi bad? Was the media parking bad? I did. <laughs> oh, I, got, I oh, just yeah. never really wanted to spend the time trying to understand what all the 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 the, the bitching and moaning was about because I just I just really enjoyed watching it. Uh, Clyde, you're a you're a specialist bitcher and moaner. No, I'm only kidding. There were there were issues with the logistics and the organisation of it, which has really got nothing to do with the final product you push out. So I'm really glad to hear you say that, Jack. As will be James Sutherland, the CEO of Golf Australia, who will take that on board. That kind of doesn't matter a lot of the stuff we bitched about on the ground because at the end of the day, you're selling a product beyond that to a bigger audience, and if they're seeing something good, you're kind of on the right track. Clates, we had James on one of our other podcasts we, were, we did a whole episode being quite mm. critical of the event and he came on the next week to have his say the one thing he said that i thought was particularly interesting was the market wants mixed events now all of the discussions yeah. we have and have internally about what that means for the logistics of the tournament actually don't matter jack beyond the game which is kind of where we're trying to get to sponsors want to be behind a tournament that is mixed they and do. shows yeah. something and yeah. in professional golf, nothing has ever been more powerful than what the sponsor wants. So do we need to cool our jets and rethink our own take on stuff? The 30-player cut for Sunday has been the most. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. That was, yes. That, that, there, yeah. I got that problem. Yeah. I understood that. And so, it might be yeah. the most legitimate of all of the complaints. Yeah. It's well, right. Legitimate, but, yeah. but anyway, it's yeah, for the play, I mean, the problem was they lost four of arguably the best six players on Saturday night. They lost Fox, Davis, Leishman and Smith on Saturday because of the 30-player cut. And the good thing about the problem with the event is we've lost the women's open, so there's no LPGA component. So the women's field was pretty weak. Mm -hmm. But the top end was good. So all the best players were in contention on Sunday. So that was the 30-person cut was great for the women. But for the men, they lost too many good players on Saturday night, and it's, it's too small a cut. So I suspect they'll tweak that next year, well, this year, because they're going to have to tweak it because the players are just – the players hated it. They won't yeah. they won't come back. The field sizes can be – it feels about the field sizes can be and, and interesting. James Sutherland said the 30-player cut will not be part of the men's tournament next yeah. year. Yeah. So he's already sort of committed to, okay, we get that. That's a legitimate complaint. We're going to fix that. And I don't think that's a problem, Clates. You could probably have a 20-player cut on the women's field. I think the field in the women's ended up being 102 instead of 140. They had issues with players having to go to queues school and stuff yeah. and they lost a bunch and, of players yeah, late yeah and, and in fairness the bottom end of the women's field was that's pretty right. poor but lucas herbert got ripped for saying on saturday that the yeah. play was slow because there was some women out there who were struggling but, but the point he was making was you had three essentially three and four markers playing on the weekend in australian open set up for a weekend mm -hmm. in australian open well doesn't matter whether you're man or woman that's going to take some time isn't it clates well, well the way the cut fell on friday night there were more women because the cut was 60 and ties there were there were quite a few more women than men yeah played on saturday and, and the men's cut was, I don't know what it was, it was around par, one, one or two over, three over, but perhaps but the women's cut was, uh, look, I'm guessing 10 over, nine over. Yep. But the third cut cut the women's field down to 
the best players, and it was terrific on Sunday. Yeah, agreed. Well, those and this is so lovely. But you're so. getting at what what is the the stumbling block for other tournaments to do the mixed format. And in the U.S. now, it's a purse issue, and it's been a purse issue as I understand it for a while. That that to uh, here people will not like it that the women aren't getting the same amount of money as the men when they're on the same uh golf course at the same finish for the same television purse uh outfit media company that's covering it and so that's that's been the hurdle that they don't want to be criticized for that to be the sponsor that you know like the century tournament of champions there was a natural fit there and they just couldn't make it work uh because of that the view of equal pay so back in the 1960s or something still well, I just when you look what the men's purses are now, it would be a it's a it's a big ask, uh, or the men would have to take a cut, and they yeah, just can, they believe they are worth what they're paying right now, which is a whole other topic. Oh, we're we're coming to that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, we're coming to that. So these are these are the things that I think are the stumbling block because you're right. I think uh, just more sponsors are realizing more women play. It's good to have more women watching, and yeah, you know, that's why TaylorMade signing up. Women now, finally, um, uh, and I'm sure they're going to sign more. Probably some Asian players. Uh, it sounds like they're they they finally figured this out. This this is good for their business. Um, but for a golf tournament, you know, you, you're looking at a big big purse. Well, I mean, so, I mean, can't you? I mean, I mean, uh, you know, we get it, but can't the men say, look, we'll play for eight million instead of thirteen million? I mean, is it that big a deal for those guys? So and it seems soap like it and now. Water clones. Yeah. How could you? Soap and water. I know, Clay. How <laughs> socialist. <laughs> what are you a communist? How can, or you, have a, how can you have a forty man field for eight million dollars? I mean, what a, <laughs> it's a joke, yeah. It's yeah. But but clearly it would be an that would be an amazing tournament with the, the you know the the women's champions and the men's champions playing together. It'd be great. Of course. Why would yeah. you do that? Well here's the thing and and this is what this criticism is made of golf, and rightly so. So often, what we're talking about here would be genuine innovation. Shorts and fifty-four holes is not innovation. Sorry, Liv, you can right. trumpet no. it as loud as you like, but there's nothing innovative about that. Mixed events are genuine innovation, and innovation, genuine event, comes with risk. But yeah. the potential payoff is enormous, and golf resists it with all sorts of extremely compelling arguments at every turn. Yeah. And we've seen in Australia, and full marks, we, we criticise golfers around the PGA relentlessly, and rightly so. It's part of our job. But when they get it right, and they have with this WebEx Players Series, is the official event, these TPS events, Clates, I cannot see a box that they don't tick. And, no, and, 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 and with, in, with integrity. Because, it, you know, right? it's, because you know, it works. It's, it's works politically correct. It's all of that stuff. And at the end of the day, you know, I heard somebody say they were in a roundtable meeting at some point and somebody said, you know, we've got to do this because it looks like we're doing the right thing. And they said, well, why don't we just do the right thing? Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of that. Just do the right thing. And you know what? All the good stuff will kind of happen. It's hard to see that. Sometimes you go, oh, we've always done it this and that's been successful. You get all of that. But what it lacks is real innovation. And these TPS events are real innovation, as is the Sandbelt Invitational, Clay. So, you know, kudos to you and Jeff for that as well. Yeah, the, yeah, the Sandbelt tournament. It's really good. It was funny because Billy Jean King was down here with seven of the original nine women who started the Women's Professional Tennis Tour in 1973, maybe. And she was talking about, when she won Wimbledon in 1968, she said, I looked at my check and I had 700 pounds. And I looked at the men's check and Rod, uh, Rod Laver had 2,000 pounds. And that was the start of her 
you know, campaign for equal prize money at the at the women's majors in the in the tennis world. And I mean, you would never can go back and you know go back to the way it was. It's so much better the way it is. It, well, maybe you know where live. I can't believe they haven't just just. I mean, they have the women come coming to Saudi Arabia, and they have a great field. I was just writing that. Have you seen the purse letter? Have you seen the purse yeah. for that check? Five million. Yeah, uh, it oh, dwarfs but, everything. It's extraordinary. It, it's uh, well, it's now behind the US uh, only PGI. women and the KPMG's more and yeah. the uh, I think Chevron six million this year. But anyway, it's five. It's a it's a great purse. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, you wonder why haven't they haven't they done the women's uh, takeover? Uh, it's interesting, and then right? combine the team element. Um, yes. I mean, there's just yeah that that I think they're just, but I Maybe. think as we saw, they just announced literally venues this week. They're they're struggling on mm. to to just put out the 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 tour that they they have uh, because lo and behold, uh, guess what? It's very hard to find golf courses that can host a tournament with the modern game, with the modern needs, and that want to be partners with uh the public investment fund it's it's a very limited number of venues indeed so just on that check and i wonder we we had arthur mcmillan on the show when uh the european tour first went to saudi arabia and keith Mm -hmm. pelly publicly came out and staunchly defended the decision (laughs) all of that and we know the hypocrisy of all of that and we're all guilty of hypocrisy in lots of different ways but i spoke to arthur a year or two later when the live thing really started rolling and he said he wasn't making any comment about what the politics at home might be, but he said, don't underestimate what live golf means politically at home for MBS, domestic politics. We never think about that, yeah. but it has a real role to play domestically in Saudi Arabia. We don't know what those goals are. And so part of the issue about – because it does seem such a no-brainer, Shaq. Let's bring the women in. That would be real innovation. But it hasn't yeah. been done, and you wonder whether it may be that there's something domestically which has stopped that happening. Oh, well, if you read all the stories, it's it's just a complicated thing. They want to be more Western. They want they want to have Western-style resorts, but then they just can't quite <laughs> let women themselves. Uh, wear, wear a bathing suit by the pool and, and go to certain places. And, yeah, it's uh, they have – they have uh, – and they really don't like the, al- the alcohol thing is still a problem, and it's um, – so when people are going there on these these vacations, they're not exactly enjoying it like they think they would. And there've been three or four stories on that. But uh, so yeah, you're right. Uh, but ultimately, his goal is to be more appealing to uh, a younger generation and one that's more open minded, so they don't have a situation like Iran has. But he just has that problem where he's uh, an insane dictator who um, uh, is uh, executing more people than they've ever executed in the history of Saudi Arabia. Do report out. Good, good timing for the start of the uh, the Asian tour event in Saudi Arabia this week. Now that we've mentioned <laughs> the magic word, live Richard Gillis, who's been a friend of the pod over time, of course, yeah, wrote something fabulous a couple months ago, which must get another public hearing in his news. Yeah, I'm just going to read it out because Clates snipped it and sent it to both of us. Golf faces a worst of both worlds future, a boring status quo disrupted by a shit breakaway. The underrated problem with Live is the funding, the sheer amounts of it. As Donald Trump pointed out, the Saudis have limitless money, which means Live can be shit for the next 20 years, neither disrupting the tours nor creating a new audience for the game, just existing, half pregnant, between things, the Live tale. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of sums it up, doesn't it? It might be yeah. the the best take on this whole, which is not yeah. to say that necessarily will continue to be the case. We have to accept the fact that the people that live might do something creative and interesting and create something yeah, yeah, more yeah. successful than so far. That's a possibility. But at the moment, 
that's a pretty good wrapper because it doesn't try to elevate the PGA Tour. The danger in these binary things is, well, if you're anti-live, you must be pro-PGA Tour, and that's just not true. Yeah. And if you get into that narrative, the discussion doesn't go anywhere. Uh, Gillis wraps it up beautifully. You know, You've got a, What did he say there? A boring status quo disrupted by a shit breakaway. <laughs> it's just yeah. nails yeah. it, uh, but, nails it but beautifully. I think unquestionably, Rod, their biggest and most successful event this year will be in Adelaide. Because I don't think there's any doubt about that. You're right. Yeah. It's already sold out, apparently. You know, Australians are so starved of watching the best players play that there are people coming from all over the country to go to Adelaide that week to watch the tournament. I mean, the, the crowds are going to be massive. I mean, it's going to be a. <clears throat> It's a party, really. It's a music festival and a party, and it's the golfs are just the golfs almost secondary to the event itself. But it, I mean, it'll be the crowds will be ridiculous down there in Adelaide. It's already sold out, I think. Isn't it? Well, they keep saying it's already sold out. It's sold out within the first. That's place. what Luke Alvey's saying on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we have to believe that. It's, <laughs> it's being said down here. It's been said down here since about three days after the tickets went on sale. But, I reckon that they sold. I mean. Out. I know people who live in every state in the country, Shaq, who are, who are flying who are going. to Adelaide that week to watch the tournament. Wow. So it, it's, Wild. You know, it's crazy. But that's more than just – there's something about that, Clates, and I think this is one of the things that Liv has hit on, and they've kind of exploited this really well, is the anti-PGA Tour sentiment. And lots and lots and lots of people, particularly in Australia – Less than being pro-live, they're only pro-live because live is not the PGA Tour. And there's a real feeling in Australia, and I imagine other parts of the world perhaps not quite as strongly, that the PGA Tour has been bad for our golf. There is some truth to that. It's not the whole story, but there is some truth to that. And that sentiment is driving interest in live in Australia, I think, much more than the live product itself. What do you reckon, Clates? Well, we, we, you know, as a kid, I grew up, Watching and and expecting that Trevino and Nicholas and Palmer and Player and Devlin and Crampton and you know Dave Hill and Dave Stockton and guys like that. I mean, and yeah, especially Nicholas and Palmer and Player because they had a club deal with Slazengers would come down and play pretty much every year. Not all three of them every year, but <clears throat> Gary Player played here pretty much every year. Jack played here a lot. Arnold not so much, but. So we got used to watching the best players in the world. And then <clears throat> in the 80s, Ballesteros and Faldo and Greg was here every year playing a lot. So, you know, the last decade and a half, we've been starved of that. We just don't see the best players come here very often at all. So this is a chance to see Dustin Johnson and Kepka and DeChambeau and guys we would never see play. They're, they're coming down to play, so people are going to flock to it to watch. I'm not so convinced about that. I don't think Dustin and Brooks and Cam Smith's the only one I think you could say that about. I think in Australia, wherever Cam went, a huge caravan would follow. He has that popularity here. I'm not convinced about the others, Clayton. I, well, well, I go I back the, to – But the combination of the, the, the whole yeah, lot of them, you know, Poulter and Westwood. Yeah, probably. You know, guys we never see play. You know, I, mean, I go sure, back sure. to the, the 2006 okay. Australian Open at Royal Sydney, the year Jeff won the US Open, Jeff Open. Yeah, yeah. And on the Thursday, or might have been the Friday morning – uh, I think he was off early at 8.30 or something like that, off the 10th tee. Reigning US Open champion and an Australian. And with 100 people watching him? If. If. if yeah. If. Yeah. So, and that, I was staggered by that. And there's a few reasons for that, one of them being TV. So Australians are now in the habit of watching four golf tournaments on any given week, all week, which yeah. European tour, the Asian mm -hmm. tour, the PGA tour, and now we've got all of our TPS events and whatnot on KO down here in Australia as well. 
And so you get into the habit of watching the PGA Tour. And if you haven't got Phil and or Tiger and or Dustin and or go through the names, then you haven't got a great feel. You wouldn't get off your couch and go to the golf course and watch it. That wasn't the case when you grew up, Clates. If you wanted to see golfers, you had to go. You, waited, to, you waited till summer and you drove to wherever they were and you yeah, watched them. True. Yeah. And that, there's been a real impact of that. And I think that that incident with Jeff really sort of spoke to that, I think. And so I'm not convinced that it's the – and it, apart from Cam, that it's the sort of the players. There's a bunch of elements at play, but I think the strongest one is the anti-PGA Tour thing, is that – well, it's driving a lot of people. I don't think there's any question about that. So Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're right. There are there are lots of other reasons why the Tour in Australia isn't what it was 20 years ago. Well, money being ago. the main one, Clayton. You just can't compete with the purses that happened in yeah. – and this happened to the European Tour as well. Yeah. When Tiger came along in America, they won golf for the foreseeable future because Tiger bought money that you just can't access anywhere else, yeah. you know, in, in that yeah. way. And, you know, when he and, – and great, you know, Tiger used to come down here and not – that much, but whenever he did, it was enormous, and he was probably one of the few players who's ever earned his appearance fee and made a return on investment. But that's really what happened to golf around the world. Purses in America went crazy, and you just couldn't keep up. So, and that creates the sort of situation that we've got today. Sorry, Shaq, I think you were uh, were you thinking of saying something there? We've been hogging. Well, no, I guess just uh, since we're state of the game, I'm curious. And you just that was a perfect segue. But 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 the analogy you just gave, and I mean, I, I'm I'm struggling to see how this activity that we've seen in the last year is sustainable uh, under the the idea of the current model of a sponsorship. Um, and then things like what we just discussed with the women, uh, an equal purse and all that, and these $20 million men's purses and the, all the ridiculous stuff. I mean, this is just a very small example, but, but this kid, David Thompson, uh, Davis Thompson, who played well at the, uh, at the American Express event, uh, withdrew from Pebble Beach this week because he got a sponsor invite next week into the designated event, which is a $20 million purse, uh, versus an 8.5 with the pro am. Uh, and so. I'm just struggling to understand two things. One, how this is model sustainable. And then number two, there has to be a, a factor that kicks in at some point where this is not attractive to people. I realize there's an excitement of living through athletes and seeing them make money and drive nice cars and reach success. But it just feels like there's just been so much of this conversation that I mean, is that? Do you sense any of that down there? I, I, I'm starting to sense it here that people are starting to get a little bit fatigued with the first world plight of of uh, all these people and their little mm. their little spats uh, over over money and playing opportunities and and I think it it becomes and last thing I think it becomes even more apparent when you actually get to see exciting tournaments like we did last weekend. Uh, where you you realize, geez, okay, enough of all this crap. We want we we just want to see good good tournaments and excitement and yeah. people who and genuinely dislike it. Yeah, that's mm. right. People who genuinely dislike each other playing against each other. Yeah. I had a little stage. bit of that. Yeah, uh, I mean, a little. That's fine. That. But yeah, that's of course, great. we want that. But we've we've talked about the need for rivalries and villains and for long before live that there yeah. that this kumbaya crap was uh, not very compelling that we we need some more people like the, some some lannies and ray floyds and some people who genuinely don't like losing to other people <laughs> and so when we actually see it again that the, you know the way rory played 
He genuinely did not want to lose that tournament, oh. and it made it great. How many guys bring that out in him? Yeah, that might I be the most. Very many. No, that might be the most interesting quote of the year. Was him saying in the post round interview immediately, "I'm probably more excited about this than I should be." Yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was. Yeah. That is an amazing <laughs> thing for a player to say <laughs> under those circumstances. On the money clates, I wonder. I my instinct is that we've probably had more of a skeptical feeling about that in Australia culturally and historically than perhaps America. I don't think we've lauded just the free grab for money as, as being not so much as the Americans. I think we've always had a healthy scepticism about how sports people being overpaid whilst we continue to pay them and fund the system that pays them. Yeah. We've all, I feel like we've been more sceptical. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think we have. I mean, but the money in America seems so unreal now. Yeah, it just seems complete. And you talk about the women playing for the same person at the um, in in Hawaii at the tournament champions. They could take the money out of the PIP thing and put some of that into the women's purse, couldn't they? I mean, I mean, mean, that's the most ridiculous thing that ever happened. Is that guys getting paid for whatever they pay out that money for? Just. It's just appearance. Yeah, no, it's a joke. Paid out for the fact. It's just ridiculous. Oh, and it was pre-decided. Tiger would win the first two and Rory will win the next two, and then they'll make it up from there. And and you're right. You you know, the tour is subsidizing so many things, and they're obsessed with getting more women watching. And and you're like, wait a second. You'll you'll kick in whatever they're – we don't know what they're kicking in, but we know they're kicking in money from their accounts uh, and their their reserves for – for these designated events. Well, and if you want more women watching, then why, why haven't you already done that for uh, a mixed event? I mean, we're finally getting one on the schedule, but why didn't that happen sooner? You know? So, so yeah. And then of course, all the live people will go, Oh, we'll see live force that on them. Well, that is true. That is correct. But it also makes you think, gosh, you keep finding this money. You have these goals, you 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 see what's going on in other sports and uh, and it's just it's just ultimately speaks to they just don't have a big picture view they don't really are they're not a golf organ i mean jeff ogilvie told this to us and it's a marketing organization yeah. and so they just they just jump to the the current thing and it's all about whatever the next thing is and there isn't that bigger vision that says uh, I mean, I doubt anybody at the tour really watched that event in the Australian Open and went, my gosh, that was really, that had something. Why, why, why don't we do that? We don't have to do it every week. <laughs> we know, but you know, there's some dead, dead spots on our schedule that we could really liven up, you know, uh, yeah. in, in, uh, in those, those times when things, but you know the players are running the show, and so ultimately that you have marketing people and players running the show, and none of them cares about the game, or none of them has any vision beyond the next twenty minutes, and so that's that's the uh, that's my rant. Yeah, so, I mean the sandbelt tournament. Yeah, you know, if you ran a sandbelt type tournament in America with three or four, four different courses with the best young kids in America, go and get the best thirteen year old girl and the best you know the girl you know the women who wins the thing at Augusta and the best college players and the best men and the best women and have a 70-man field. It would be an amazing tournament. It would kill yeah. it on TV. 
And people would a, love it. It'd be a rich um, pool for Liv to dip into and sign their future players too, wouldn't it? It'd be fabulous for them. They'd get all the players in the one place that they've, they've shown their hand with signing up the, yeah. the amateur yeah. stars of yeah. today, for, which is a which is a pretty sensible ploy. And the PGA Tour's way of doing it through this PGA Tour university is probably not going to be as effective. A couple of things you raised there, Shaq. One, yes, Liv have forced the PGA Tour to change. That doesn't mean the changes they've made are sensible, nor I think the most important thing that you said, which was sustainable. If all the PGA Tour can offer is money, they've lost to a bigger organisation already, haven't they? And they, yeah. they, they acknowledge that themselves. Monaghan acknowledged that himself very early in this when he said, you know, if, if, if the sole uh, you know, point of view is yeah. going to be about money, then we can't win. We know we can't win. And yet, that's the yet- battleground they've <laughs> chosen. <laughs> what are they doing? They're trying to play the exactly. money game. Exactly. Now, the, the TV ratings have been pretty poor this year and one of the reasons I know that is because there's a particular live Twitter account I can't recall what it's going to be but gleefully posts the fair oh our golf view. TV ratings yeah the golf TV yeah, ratings yeah 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 I'm not sure why you'd be crumbing about that if you were live because for the most no, part people no. on yeah. TV who are watching do not distinguish between what golf they're watching they're just not watching golf and if you're in the golf yeah. business you should be concerned about that so what's going on there Shaq do you reckon with the TV ratings well we have yeah, cord cutting has really uh, picked up steam. So that, what does that mean? That's a what is that? That's mean? cord a part, cutting. Oh, oh, people just go getting rid of cable and going to uh, streaming services, right. and so those ratings are supposed to account for some of that streaming, and it's always very confusing because because sometimes they don't. And Niels, but Nielsen is supposedly tracking more streaming in that total audience delivery, as I understand it, and so. They're just, but we, we've, we've covered this. Golf is not a sport you stream except the Thursday and Friday of the Masters and, and somebody shooting a 59 or a few other, you know, Tiger on a, uh, making a return, whatever. It's not a streaming sport yet. Um, and it, and the streaming doesn't work very well still. We still have problems with it. Um, it's not as, it's still, believe it or not, not as good as cable TV. So we've, we've had, we've just, you know, these, these, the numbers, uh, are, are just, working against them on that front that said the nfl just got unbelievable numbers again on the football so so people are not totally cutting cords um and they are accounting for people watching in bars and they're accounting for people watching on streaming so that's uh that's that's eating in the number a little but then i i just think it's there's been an oversaturation people have been burned by too many boring telecasts and uh you have a lack of stars right now so it's a combination of those things the sad part was cbs had a great telecast i mean i wrote about the newsletter it was it was i mean the the difference between that and the first three events just the way it was just moving and cool drone shots and these great close-ups with the depth of field cameras and great sound i mean they just crap on the spectators at that tournament the farmers but the, the energy was seemed fantastic uh even though nobody can get near the green on the last five holes <laughs> except corporate chalet people so it was um there was just an energy about it and you felt like if you had a big screen and you had a decent uh, sound bar it was like wow i feel like i'm there and i mean i just i was yeah, I mean, i'm <laughs> i tuned into golf uh most of the time to fall asleep and i was riveted and then they did a yeah great interview with samuel Ryder's mom and um just uh the thing with with uh max home on saturday with the ipod yeah this is the kind of stuff we've been hoping for and now he's an outlier there aren't a lot of guys who can talk and and chew gum at the same time and then he can do that and and be entertaining and not 
be flustered about his game. So it was just, but I think that you look at that and you go, well, this needed to happen sooner. So I think the audience has been eroded by too many being burned essentially by, mm. by being sit, making the effort to sit down and watch and, and being bored. So it'll take them time to, to rebuild that. And uh, it may be too late. And then with, yeah, with cord cutting and uh, the numbers against them, uh, it's a mess. I mean, it is a total mess. If you look at any of the stories and, and I put some in the newsletter and the, you read them all, you can go anywhere you want. I mean, no, nobody knows what to do with this. It's not, it's not, the the math doesn't work for stream uh, streaming subscriptions. Um, the cable bundle actually worked, but people didn't like that either. They want the a la carte. So part of it is the consumer doesn't know what they want, and then part of it is the people running the thing don't know what to do. And then they're trying to push you to it, but because of rights, you can't get everything. Oh, and because of technology, it's just not quite as good in certain ways. And it's behind, it falls behind, you know, there's just a lot of layers to it. It's a, it's just a total mess to put it. I just don't know other, any other way to put it. Um, and, uh, I feel like this year's going to be just nuts on this front. So what's well, your thoughts on? Yeah. We've seen the last mm-hmm. couple of years, Shaq, how hard it is for people to watch the golf in so many ways. They're switching from here to there when the coverage goes long. And it, oh, all that too, right. Well, yeah. they they make it almost impossible for you to follow. The point where even hardened golf fans go, you know what, bugger it, I'll catch up on the highlights later, I'll watch the yeah. Well, yes, and then you have generationally a bunch of people, mm-hmm. that's their, they just watch highlights. They don't, they don't sit down to watch it. Uh-huh. Speaking of Gillis, some really interesting stuff on his podcast, The Unofficial Partner. They talk sports, business, very mm-hmm. rarely golf. Golf gets a mention in yeah, most of their podcast because of the live thing is so much about a lot of streaming talk and stuff. But they did one on the Qatar World Cup talking about uh, the importance of the highlight clips. Now, golf lends itself a bit to that, though, going for four days as opposed to a soccer game that goes around. The moments can be harder to find. But mm. the the amount of exposure through various highlight clips – and that run on Twitter and whatever. This is kind of the future. The, the notion of sitting down to watch 90 minutes of football is kind of unlikely for a whole coming generation of people. It might be on in the background, but really what the – who watches the golf with Twitter on the going on on the side? I do. Well, yeah, I, I do. used to yeah. until they killed the third-party app, and now it's a mess because uh, you can't get yeah. a just a straight stream, which yeah. I do love. You know, yeah, Just seeing exactly. reactions and – but it's now a they whole different your, ball game, isn't it? So it's a mess. No, it's been a long time since nobody in the media, Murdoch included, can really figure out how to make it work. And we're at that right. point at the moment in mm. history is that- Oh, it's as bad it, as ever, yeah. Exactly. As a business, it's hard to know how that's going to kind of pan out and golf's kind of caught in that. It's probably in a worse position than most sports because it's got that four-day factor and we don't have a 2020 version like cricket does, Clates, to keep funding the five-day game that people are still in love with. But the numbers tell you they don't watch it in the same sort of way as others. So it'll be it'll be it'll be hard to know. And that really goes to that sustainability question, doesn't it, Shaq? Because if people don't watch, then professional golf has no reason to exist. Yeah, and and I I get the the idea of more highlights and all that, but uh, the sponsor doesn't get the impact from that that they do from. What farmers got where I sat down and a lot of people, well, not, not as many as normal, but you sit down, you watch that last nine. It's compelling. You know who the sponsor is. They didn't ruin the last hour. They only had two breaks because I went back and looked 
bunch of people were, I did a tweet and they were all, oh, the commercials. And I went back and was like, well, they only had two breaks at the last hour. Uh, whereas NBC went to break between uh, over in, at the Sony, it was just brutal. They, <laughs> that Hayden uh, Buckley hits his shot and they go right to this six commercial load, you know, instead of setting up his shot up at the green where he needs to get up and down to force a playoff. And it was all make good ads, which is even worse. It wasn't even the tournament sponsor. So, um, but you still can say, well, wait a second. I sat down. That was a great finish. Max Homa was fun. Uh, you know, you had other people involved. It was beautiful to look at. They had cool tech. The announcers did a nice job. And thank you, farmers, for for doing that. It's kind of my mentality. So there's still some value in that. Or Callaway sponsored that last hour a commercial free at Kapalua it made all the difference in the world. It was fantastic. You know, and Azinger could actually flesh out a thought and, and you go, well, and then the sponsor, you uh, thank you Callaway for doing that. Isn't that uh, ironic that, <laughs> that the best way to get your value for money as a sponsor is to not show your own ad. <laughs> right. Right. It's extraordinary well, when you think about it. And they know it and they know it. And yeah. so the networks are supposedly like they've tried the on-screen graphics. They've tried more signage. They're going to keep trying. And I'm fine with that. Um, and I, and I understand they have commercials, but it's just when they, when they do it at the tail end, when the, when you need the most storytelling at the end, it's really obnoxious. You've mm-hmm. got to come up with ways that no other sport does that, um, where you go away from the actual action at the key moment. And we do. And so, yeah, it's got, um, I mean, it is just a, it is just a wild, uh, mess, oh, uh, but yeah. that said, when it all comes together, it is really still pretty great. And. And uh, the innovation is there, but these media companies are just in a tizzy and they've well, spent got- so much on original programming and on um, on rights fees. And so, yeah. and they're not getting I mean, like today, just a random little story, but Kevin Van Valkenburg left, is leaving ESPN to write for No Laying Up. And, you know, ESPN is just slashing all that surround stuff they do because they've got so much money into the rights. And you say, well, wait a second. What's the point of paying all that money for the rights if you're not building? Uh, and I'm going to use a big, big, obnoxious, not a really embarrassing word here the ecosystem around the sport, which they do still do in football and certain other things. But once there's none of that surrounding coverage, then the interest that's just one more thing that chips away at it. Uh, well, it depends. so that's a problem for the tour. The tour is perhaps the model got- of the future, Jeff, looks more like ESPN pays the big rights fees and puts the thing on TV and lets the smaller, more mobile units like No Laying Up and the Fried Egg and us drive the interest. Well, and that's it may their be hope. that that's a more sensible way for that to happen. I mean, and then they get annoyed when those things take advertising money from them. <laughs> Even the PGA Tour gets annoyed. They want to compete with media. They want advertising money too, so they have a conflict. So they, they, you're right in theory, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, they've proven that they really can't do that either. It's very. Clayton, you're a tournament director. You're not yet on television. Yeah, huge tournament. How do you feel? What do you think about all of this stuff, though? I'm, I think you probably think about it less than Shaq and I in some ways, the Much TV less, yeah. and all of that sort of yeah. stuff. But what do you make of all that, and and what what does that what do you think that means? Because ultimately, you know, the players kind of should be interested in this stuff because it really is where the money comes from. And if it goes, if it collapses, guess what? Next next domino is the tour itself. Yeah, you know, absolutely, and it's 
I might think about tennis a little bit, and tennis to me is just four tournaments a year. I don't watch; mm-hmm. I have no interest and in, don't watch tennis other than the four majors. And is yeah. golf golf's sort of heading a bit that way, isn't it? it seems like yep. there's less and less interest in the week to week stuff, and the four majors become the the main focus. And where I, I got a sense it wasn't that way until now. Now there, there are always lots of interesting big tournaments on that. You know, in tennis, I guess it's Miami and Indian Wells and. Monte Carlo and the Italian Open, I suppose, in, in Queens. But um, increasingly, both sports seem to just be focused around these four massive events every year. And people are losing interest in the week to week stuff because it's just become not that, not as interesting as it was. Mm. Yeah. There's uh, the sameness. Yeah. There is. Well, then there's a bunch of elements to it as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, but, but when you had Tiger, there's no such thing as too much Tiger. Tiger could have played no, 52 weeks no. a year and people would have watched in massive numbers. That yeah. was the truth of Tiger. And in some ways, there's been a downside to that is because what do you replace that with? We're not the first people to have made that observation. And people started making it fairly early in Tiger's career. It's like, well, you want to be a bit careful because at some point, Tiger's not going to be there anymore. Yeah. What is going to replace? You need to build the infrastructure around that so that when Tiger starts to disappear, golf hasn't really kind of done that. Max Homar is really interesting, Shaq, because I think he connects with a whole bunch of golfers at a level that we haven't seen a golfer do for a very long time. And there's an authenticity about him that the kids love. He turned up at a Skins game on the Monday after winning it. Yeah, about that. You know, like, and he just did that. You you don't orchestrate, I would hope, and I don't get the sense that Homer or someone in his team is orchestrating that. Whereas you've always had that sense about Mickelson that his public persona and everything he does is kind of calculated to to get an end. So, on that point, you and Murray is on this week's thing about golf podcast. Who was really good with Johnny Illustrate. Okay. And one of the things he said is a lament that's been made by others, Jack Nicholas included, that the all-inclusive 125 exempt cards is too much. Mm. That there's too many journeyman players, and I think this is the problem with the PGA Tour Shack, and this is the one of the complaints that Mickelson had, too many people who don't sell tickets driving what the tour actually does. Yes. Clates, your your thoughts on that first, Clates, as a player, because you can't as a player, especially if you're not one of the top 10 players, like the notion that you might lose your job because it's better for the overall product. Yeah. But it's always been that way. I mean, you know, it was the, I mean, we all thought we were half important in Europe, but clearly it was, you know, it was Seve and those guys who were only, only, they were the only people who cared about. We were just the supporting cast who turned up and made the field up. But and not it's, completely it's, unimportant, but perhaps not as yeah. important well, as you'd like to. Well, be. you know, in a way, the supporting cast is important because it because the the supporting cast is pretty good. I mean, the, the 120th best player in America is a pretty darn good player. Oh, if you go and watch him yeah. play golf, he's unbelievably impressive to watch. But you know, given how good he is, he makes the top guys look great. Hmm. You know, if you only had top guys, how would you know they were top? Well, this is what Liv's trying to find out, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which is you know, I go and watch tennis because I don't know much enough enough about tennis to know. What differentiates Djokovic from you know, Tyler Fritz, and what's different? So, so Tyler Fritz from the guys a hundredth in the world. You know, I go and watch the hundredth guy in the world play tennis, like I did at Keon, the, the Keon Classic, the week before the Australian Open. They all look unbelievably good to me. Alexi Popran looks really good. He's a hundred and twenty in the world or something, but he looks unbelievably good to watch play tennis. So, you know, there's always been the element of the the journeyman being an important part of the tour. Mm. Yeah, I don't think they're unimportant, but I do have, I, I do think but, there's something in that, don't you? Yeah, um, yeah, and the, and it was the thing Watson and his generation complained about when they went away from the top sixty. I mean, arguably the you know the best way the tour 
certainly in Europe, function was that if you made the cut, you kept playing. Mm-hmm. And you're in next week, and it was a dog eat dog world, and it was tough. And you, you know, and, and the travel would be certainly unsustainable in Europe. You can't be missing a cut in Friday in Morocco and then expect to go to a pre qualifying in South Africa on Monday or China or Saudi Arabia or, or you know, Sweden or wherever it is. It was ridiculous. But, but for players, if you made the cut, you played the next week. And it wasn't a bad way to run things. Seems sensible. I mean, obviously, the, the Open used to be too much. You could be the defending champion. I think you had to qualify until the 60s, didn't you? Play too. Well, well, until Arnold Palmer said Until no, Palmer stupid, sort of yeah. changed it. Yeah, exactly. That's too far the other way. But Yeah, well, that was crazy. But but the European Tour, when it was in Europe, and it was you made the cut on Friday night, you're in next week. You're in the following week. So you can make plans and book accommodation and all and, that sort and, of stuff. And, and you could t- – I mean, that was how Peter Leonard played his way onto the PGA yeah. Tour. In, in in America by making cuts in Australia. He was a club pro. He yep. got sick. He got he couldn't play anymore. He was tw- he weighed literally twenty stone. Yeah, it was frightening. He he went and got a club job and he, he lost weight. He came out on the tour and he got a card in Australia by playing every week and making the cut. He got into the Johnny Walker, which was a big European tour event in Queensland, and he finished second to I can't remember Freddie Couples or Ernie or someone. Got a card in Europe, went to Europe, played well, got a card in America and had a he won twice in America, right? You know, he had a pretty decent career. Yeah, but very he decent that. career. He was a club the, pro yeah, that's who right. started that journey by being able to make the cut every week in Australia and yeah. get into the top 60 in Australia. And Cam Smith did exactly the same thing. He played that Malaysian PGA Malaysia, Tour event exactly because really. he was an Asian player who he played his way into that. He finished in the top 10, got a start in America the next week. And in fact, I think he got a start in the – the PGA Tour event in Malaysia the next week. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. Well, he got into the PGA he, Tour event in Malaysia. And he top 10 in top that. 10, went to America it, for the next yeah. event, got himself yeah. into the US Open by being somewhere on that, you know, non-members <laughs> money list, finished fourth, and hasn't looked back since. And, and he, he had a three-wood to a foot in the last hole yeah, at Chambers Bay. Yeah, exactly. Finished yeah. third or fourth, and that was the way he was away. Yeah. Lonard, interestingly enough, when he was doing that club job, quotes, one of his jobs on Women's Comp Day was to measure the women's skirts to make sure they were long enough. We still oh, still boy. doing that in the nineties, and just kneel down and yeah. the ruler there and make. Sure. I don't think, not pretending like every everyone had to do it, but there's certainly something that I'm sure yeah. he told me that he had to do from time yeah. to time. Is yeah. there a benefit in cutting the number of players, Shaq? I think there's a benefit in cutting the number of tournaments. You're never going to get that up. That's never going to fly in a player run yeah. organisation. But will cutting the number of players that are all exempt would that help for the spectator, or does it make no difference? Uh, it might. I think the, the the problem we have is that there. This was a time to kind of blow up the model yes. uh, somewhat, and th- they've they haven't done that. They've made made it worse. They've pumped uh, up the model instead of blowing it up, haven't they? Yeah, <laughs> they inflated. Yeah, and and I think that uh, that this is why you know the PGL people when they were you know they actually liked golf. So yeah. mm. and the Saudis have taken most of their ideas, but I do think that there's a difference there. That the fact that they like the game. It would have meant that what what they were proposing might not have stuck, but that it would have brought fresh ideas. And is there something where you do protect top players who've earned it, uh, but then you also bring in this sort of urgency, this new new blood element that that you know you top ten and then you get in. And is there something there that that generates a little more urgency? And uh, it's tricky because, again, you're re- exactly what we've been discussing. You're you've got a Charlie Hoffman on the policy board or a James Hahn, um, guys who think they're the smartest guy in the room and they're you know three hundredth in the world. And 
what on earth are you doing worrying about uh, them? Uh, and they're they're older and they're not, you know, they've had their chance. And uh, so you have all those elements. So I think you just have a, a weak leadership and, and now weakened even more because they were so unprepared for all this um, that now you have Tiger and Justin Thomas and a few other people and some agents calling these shots and yeah. and it's just pumping money to them and traveling less and whatever the things are at the moment and that's understandable that's what they think is important to them and but is that the big picture long term uh vision that's right and uh d- does any of this work for sponsors i mean do they actually talk to these sponsors and um ask them you know if this is something they're going to want to sponsor for for a long time that that kind of stuff so it's um yeah i think they've doubled down on on a kind of a some problematic stuff oh and then they're just stuck with a, a tv deal that, that that they're overpaying and, <laughs> and for eight more years and they don't want to break that up because mm. um i'm not sure they'd get the same deal if they they blew that up and went back to them so yeah, it's a mess it's yeah, uh it is. Well, the that- good news is though the majors are in good shape we've got good <laughs> courses coming and um they you know might do something about the equipment oh and then you know and i'm sorry but uh, uh, that's just another part of this is is people uh, have been the, the turnover rate and yeah, the equipment but- People have been waiting a long time to have a drink, Shaq. So it's, I know. It's happening. And the <laughs> ball goes too far, with. and it really is at, at the heart of <laughs> almost all these problems. Yeah, the guys yeah. think they're they're hot, uh, you know what, and uh, if they hit a snap hook a little more often now and then and, and are shot up, got a big cut on their ball, and not that they pay for them, but uh, they might be a little more humble. And um, uh, and, that, and that is one thing I wanted to ask you, you know, Clates, about what you're seeing because Donegan's trying to claim to me that guys are starting to become less focused on speed. Uh, <laughs> but have we peaked on the pursuing speed thing? And are we are, are we building towards maybe a realization that more all-around skill is still a good thing? And then maybe with these equipment tweaks, we might even get closer to that. Did you see anything of uh, getting to watch players on that front that, that told you? Or are we just still on pursuing speed i think they're on pursuing speed are they seems, seems like it yeah you know, you know it seems the young the i don't know what it's like in the states i don't obviously go there enough but it seems like every 15 year old kid now knows that the the goal is they all know what their numbers are the goal is to swing at 125 yeah. miles an hour and at ball speeds whatever it is and you've got to fly the ball x and you know the next generation are going to be focused on that it seems like yeah, I, I do. I do think the strengthening approach is changing. Thank God. You know, the Bryson thing has shown yeah, people that's yeah. a bad idea. So that's good. Yeah. But yeah. Um, well, I just yeah, it's just the same old thing. You just hear people I, more and more. You hear people talk about I'm tired of watching him hit wedges into every hole yeah, like I you mean, did on the pre-show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Rosebud was a 6,900 yard course and there were Elvis hit a wedge into pretty much every par four for four days. I mean, he had, mm, yeah. I remember a couple of eight irons and not a seven iron. Yeah. But but, but the weekend was literally all wedges apart from the nine iron because he's driving a tree. <laughs> and yeah. Are you saying, Clades, that we've gone beyond the Dustin Johnson, the six iron is a long iron, and we're now with Elvis at a point where the seven iron is a long iron? 
Well, it's a short course. <laughs> I, I know, mean, mate. Yeah. But I just we should never but, forget we should but, never but, forget that statement by Dustin that this course plays. You got to hit a lot of long irons, six long iron, lines, and yeah, that, yeah. six iron, and that sort of thing. I think is what he said. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, but what was it that year where he, the year where they complained about the, the bunker, bunker in the deal built in the middle of the fairway in Boston? Boston, yeah. Wasn't that the first hole he hit, hit more than a seven iron to a par four all year? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. That's what he said about yeah. the course. You, know, you hit a little. You hit quite a few long irons here into the holes. You know, six iron that kind of thing. I think yeah. people around the world yeah. choked on their wheat picks. And, and that's still going to be the hurdle. And and whatever happens with equipment is, is is we've just gone to such a player's mindset. Whatever the players need and want, uh, and they they know everything kind of thing. And and so will these people be strong enough to go? Uh, to tell them to fly a kite and go, look, this is what we're doing and you're going to have to adjust and it'll probably take you about 20 minutes on a launch monitor. So shut up. And I don't, I don't see that happening at the moment. Everything's what can we do to make uh, it better for you and keep you happy. And, um, so we'll, there's a, we'll, there's we'll a point see. that that's nice. That's why we all like to occasionally go and stay at a five-star hotel shack. But if you live that way, there's a point where that becomes very unhealthy, isn't it? That you're constantly told that, you know, everything needs to be done for you. And that's kind of, that's that entitlement. That oh, I think, I think we're already there. there. Yeah. yeah, we're well and true there. But what I'm saying is that I don't know where the point actually yeah. is, but it, it seems to happen to everybody who ends up in that position where they genuinely start to think that whatever they think or believe is got to be more important than what anybody else thinks or believes because that's why they're here yeah it's, uh, oh yeah oh there's no question and it's, it's uh it's perhaps that's what max ever. homer doesn't have maybe that's the appeal of homer i don't think it doesn't seem like he has that and it's partly no. the appeal of cam smith too it doesn't feel like he has that you know he, no well i think a, there's a thread here you're getting to but all these guys uh you know are, are not con- and i don't want to be that person but they're not they're not uh AJGA Country Club, um, um, you know, uh, IMG Academy uh, drones. There are people who came from, yeah, we have Scythe Thagala, who's really coming yeah. on from Pepperdine, uh, public course kid. Colin Morikawa was a true public course. I mean, he was a member of a, of a club. Yeah. <laughs> it is a, like a semi-private, funky golf course. Uh, it is not a what you you would think of as a true country club uh let's say it's a bad place it's just not it's definitely not the uh the the kind of the rearing that some of these kids get in certain states where there's pyramids of titleists and all that mm. uh so we're seeing some players rising cam smith's now you know um uh country club brad i think you're seeing you know and rory even really kind of played a junky golf course and thankfully has for the most part really stayed aware of his roots and uh, mm. hasn't lost perspective. Every once in a while he does, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then he kind of recognizes it. So that's the exciting thing about him. Some guys don't. Oh, he's a flip flopper shack. And of course, Tiger. Mitch, you've got things wrong. You're a flip flopper. Don't, don't, don't be giving him a break. Yeah. On that and yet. by the way, Phil, I mean, Phil, Phil's the public course kid, even, and even though we, we roll our eyes at a lot of his stuff, uh, I do think practice? part of the reason he was successful was because he was not a, uh, not raised at a at a at a certain oh. way, and he he uh, he had to he had to kind of earn it. Certainly. I thought he had a practice bunker in his backyard as a kid. Yeah, his dad was built it? something in the backyard. Right. Yeah. Okay, but not. But I mean, it's middle, not. Middle we're not. Part. It's not an estate. It was. Uh, right. And I've always yeah. been annoyed that he hasn't ever done something on that. I don't know. Maybe they must have let it go. Well, or something. He, but I always he, thought it would have been a cool little feature for somebody to do. Well, he bid for his dad's pretty quiet. Pines. Yeah. So anyway, so there you go. Did his dad? But yeah. So the- I think there's. Certain people who are staying in touch with reality and 
some aren't. Well, we won't go into it now, but because it's a, probably a whole other hour show. But yeah, the, import, the importance of personalities, right? Because the truth is, you know, the whole yeah. problem, part of the problem with the live model is, you know, the idea you get the forty-eight best players in the world. But the truth is, uh, there's only three of those that people really want to watch, and the others aren't marketable. So yeah. there are golfers outside the forty-eight that people would pay a lot more to go and watch than the forty-eight themselves. And so that's part of the problem. Is that it's, there's in terms of public appeal, it's more than just the skill and it's more than just the personality. There's some combination of the two that hits right. Homer's one, Smith is one, Tiger obviously was one because his play was just so extraordinary. There's not that many of them in truth and it's not just – if that was the case, Patrick Cantlay would be much more marketable than he is. Fabulous, yeah, well, fabulous golf player. But really, uh, I mean, beyond oh that, yeah. Yeah, so, beyond, yeah. <laughs> and the way the game's played breeds, uh, you know, that kind of a player and – uh, yeah, that was another part that was interesting about Homa's interview. He, Trevor Immelman asked him, what, what do you do in a round like this that's this slow? And it was f- funny to hear his, you know, I'll think about it. what Because Trevor asked him, what do you do in a moment uh, like this where you're just standing here waiting? And uh, he, he went through the various things that go through his head just to kind of kill time while you're out there. And you realize uh that's hard to do if you have any imagination at all and so the way the time it takes the amount of hours you're out there it it's better to have a very dull mind and and to play the game very very uh in a very boring fashion are you saying and that's not good are you saying that cantlay would handle better watching jb holmes lay up on 18 at tory pines and all the time that that took the max omar might is that uh maybe maybe yeah let us never forget the jb holmes lay up at tory pines is one of the all-time yeah. great moments eight minutes i think it was in total was it yeah eight minutes uh, yeah, to lay it up six to eight somewhere in there it was too many it was over 40 seconds <laughs> yeah <laughs> to lay it up just phenomenal oh gosh stuff. i had put that out of my head i'm trying you know, to put don't. him out of my head he's uh <laughs> He has been quiet. Uh, yeah, I, guess yeah. he's, I know he's had some injury issues. Has he? He shot that 87, the last round of the Open at Portrush. And, yeah. yeah, that's right. He hasn't really Almost haven't heard of him since. since. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Mm. Well, but, it had, but again, he had a good run. He's made some nice checks. And mm. uh, it, that's the other part is this this longevity thing. So we, we're, we've hit all the – It's all, it's uh, and that's another problem. I don't know how you address that, and, but – uh, because of and because a lot of it's just the money, uh, and it's just going to shorten careers. And now we're seeing with the NILs here in the United States, uh, we're hearing anecdotal stories of 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 athletes who are scoring with a deal, and they're saying, "Yeah, you know what? If I get hurt, I don't have to play in the pros, uh, or maybe I just don't ever even need to play professionally." And and I'm saying in general sports, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, saying yeah. specifically golf. Uh, the money's not that great in the golf NILs, but uh, there's there's a dulling there that's uh, the, fascinating. And what do you do? I, surely, I, I Jeff, handle that. Surely, Jeff, the day of reckoning for all sports, golf included, must be coming because the absurdity of that situation where you don't even need to turn professional to retire. <laughs> yeah. That's just not a. There's nothing about that that makes any sense. No. You can't, that can't be a system. And so, yeah, you, you would think that the day of rain, and the one thing markets tend to do really, really, really well for those who really believe in the whole notion yeah. of they do correct. And yeah. you feel like there's a correction coming for golf. I mean, it's generally been recession proof golf, and I'm not sure that's necessarily going to be the case with as bloated as it is in this day and age. You'd think that the day of reckoning is coming for golf at some point. The I pandemic yeah. saved this game at the public, you know, the recreational level, saved this game 
at a moment when we were really starting to see genuine corrections happen in the market. That is wearing off and we're going to be back to that because golf has not learned, as far as I can tell at most places, has not learned any of those lessons and all of that business that was picked up through COVID is going to drift away again and for all of the same reasons. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the pickleball stories here are really interesting and I just keep thinking, what's going to be golf's because it, 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 at some point, yes, golf's going to get uh, – it's it's just going to be the same thing. Well, and we have so many companies pushing people back to the office, and that's been a huge part of golf's hmm. um, success here is the, the hybrid hmm. schedules. Yeah. And so you could go play the late nine, and you can justify the purchase of the club or the purchase of the, the membership uh or whatever it is and now if you chip away at that and these companies are getting kind of nasty about it <laughs> uh which i'm i'm shocked at but um they pay I a lot of money have, for rent quite they, check they're paying a lot of money for rent well yeah, i understand they're paying for rent but if the productivity's money. there then what is it you're i mean they just believe some of the and i get it some companies i'm sure they do benefit from everybody being in the office and brainstorming but i'm also shocked that uh they haven't uh, they're 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 going this way, but anyway, it's bad for golf because yeah, that'll eat away eventually at the things that have made this thing successful. So, what is going to be that golf version of pickleball? I don't think it's going to be these these putting course things. I don't think it's top golf. Um, but you just see what people are reacting to in pickleball, and it's what we know. It's it, and I don't want to just go right back to King Garrick Clates, but it's well, that pretty good, wasn't it? Well, and, and the things we've talked about with it, the scale of it, we had more conversations as we walked down the hall. We, everything was closer together. Uh, and pickleball, that's what you hear people talk about. You can have a fun conversation at the net. You don't have to be a world-class athlete, but there is still athleticism. It's fun. You know, there's all these things you're hearing. You're like, yeah, golf needs that same thing. That's just the scale and the time and the and the intimacy is just back to something a little more. That's interesting. Where, where um, it's a private course we're building for a guy a couple of hours north of Melbourne, but 25 acres, seven greens. You can play it in reverse. You can play it crossways. There are, there are more than 18 holes on it, and of course, it's you know you can't have a huge number of players on it at one time because it's well you can if they're all going in the same direction but it's a it's golf on a small scale it's gonna be interesting to see how it turns out it's be, it could be really cool but yeah. switching um i've read your book because you kindly sent me a copy which yes, is great thank you the, the book on architecture and i've ordered a copy you'll be pleased to know i've paid my money and it's one coming oh, in the mail come is, on you know, i, I, I was just gonna take care of my co-host no, Jeez, you, you, come you've on you've got a you know, you're, the hard work writing books. Uh, people should pay for them. Absolutely, anyway, absolutely they should. Um, where do people go to pre-order it? Uh, you know, Amazon in the United States is the best. I haven't actually, one of my projects today was to go look at some of the other uh, sites, but um, that's still, you know, it's a new model. Uh, there's also for, again, American audiences, bookshop.org, which benefits independent stores and it's discounted, I think, 10%. Um, yeah. But at the moment, that's the best way, the online versions. And it, it's been, it will be with the various, the, the main book distributors. So people who buy books through normal outlets will be able to get it through those outlets via the distributor. I can't speak to Australia as well as I can but we're gonna, the United well, States. But yeah, think, it's coming in June and we may, you know, supply chain willing, have copies in late April or something. Okay. 
So I'm, I'm, thank you for reading it. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm obviously very nervous because I kind of take on architecture as you probably found out in a little different way. Um, but I just feel like we're at a time where people are, are want to know just a little bit more and, uh, and, 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 uh, that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to address those people, whether I'm, whether my dated references and different <laughs> ideas about dogs and walkability and all that in scale, I don't know if that will resonate. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> it's short though. That's the good news. Yeah. It's not a long read. We'll um we'll put some links in the show notes where people can get it. Matt Mollica tweeted something about it the other day. Yes, that was very nice. Of it, one, yeah, and, uh, I think uh, he might he might have an idea of how to go about pre-ordering and that sort but, of stuff. But Clayton's but, finished the book, so I'm excited about. It. I mean, he was, reads every was, golf book, so yeah. I. You know, that was that was it was it was great and, and a different take on architecture. I mean, there there are enough architecture books out there now that we don't need yeah. another one. But this it was a different take and it was fun and it was for, for the average golfer. It was a really interesting read. I thought it was great, really good. Good. Agree more. And I'm, I'll be did it did it i remember you were going to go look at seven mile uh, beach and a, a different after it because there was something in it that made you uh probably more the either the memorability topic or the dog walkability no I scale it, thing or was it i can't remember what you said it was yeah, so. no but your three tests were the dog can you play it with a dog um do you remember every hole correct was that one of them yep that was, yep right. can you remember every hole right after you've played it and would you play it every day was that the other test the question is, would would could you play this course every day and enjoy it? Um, uh, because it, which is a little different question than uh, what course would you? Yeah, you know, what's the one course you would like to play the rest of your life every day? That's more of a bucket list question, which That's I explain right. in the book. You know, I love yeah. that question too. That's a great yeah. discussion for sitting around bantering and arguing. But uh, and then the dog element, yeah, is a little more complex. But the gist is. Is it a place you'd want to take your dog for a walk, uh, which then speaks into the categories they get into in the book, scale and uh and and you know from reading at Clates, I also caved. I've decided I just can't fight the experience thing anymore. <laughs> uh, that that you just aren't gonna fight uh that What do you mean by that? What's the experience thing, Shaq? Explain that for us. Well, we've just had a lot of through various times in the history of golf, people judge places by the experience. And sometimes it's just over the top thing, you know, where there's somebody playing a piano on the range and they have a comfort stations with uh, Kobe steak sliders and they love the place because of that. And, uh, and I just try to say, look, I, 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 we've all been to a place where they treat you great. We've been to places where they treat you poorly. There are people who like it where they just don't really pay much attention to you. And it's low key. There are people who love the upscale over the top thing. And, and I just, if I realized when I was trying to really think about the book that that's, you're never going to get that part of the equation out of people's thinking. No. But what I would ask is that you just try to separate a little bit when you actually ask those questions about the architecture. Of course. When you just when you're driving out the the the, the place, can you remember all the holes? Would you really want to play that? Could you enjoy playing that thing every day uh, if you had to? And then you know, is it a place you 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 if you had a dog and like dogs, would you like turning them loose or would you like having them play with you? And, you know, there's places with rattlesnakes in the desert where you'd go no way or mm. mountain climbing uh adventures so that kind of came from from seeing a dog having a great time out on a property after being at uh another place that was just a gargantuan mess and i thought my god that nobody no dog would enjoy trying to 
have fun take. out here. And yeah, this is awful. This is but oh, that that place, he loved it. It's just a scale and and there's something to the courses that just and it's also just kind of the way a course is set onto the ground. Uh, that there's a that that artificiality. You just think that you know we all respond to that the way a dog would a kind of a natural trail versus a a concrete path or a uh, over maintained thing. So yeah. there's a lot of factors I was trying to get at with those things, but but I think the experience is something we just have to accept that. Uh, like Golf Digest tries really hard yeah. to get the experience out, and of course we know their panelists always fall for yeah. <laughs> all the over-the-top stuff so it's like don't fight it don't fight it just put it into perspective is all i'm trying to make yeah. the case for what's the book called um, check golf architecture for normal people fabulous right. yeah and i established very early on in the book that i am not normal i was about to say <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want it. I don't, uh, and I don't want to discourage people from arguing, uh, the details and getting, being, being wonks. And, um, that's great. That raises the art. I mean, I think yeah. that's why we've had this, this time we're in where architecture is, has the bars sort of been raised yeah, back up. But that said, it also should, every golfer should be able to enjoy it a little bit more. And that's, it, it's like wine. It's like other forms of connoisseurship. You can enjoy it and know a little, and you'll really enjoy it even more knowing just a little bit. Um, you don't have to go as deep as Clates and I go. <laughs> uh, you know, um, so that's the goal of the book. Um, do um, how do dogs go on American golf courses? Do they have? I mean, well, the you, yeah, you know, the British clearly get dogs and staying down the Berkshire and those places where it's very normal to have right. dogs out there for a day. Mostly England, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, Australia, we're sort of mm. partly getting there, yeah. not really. But Wouldn't I mean, 50, Metro 50. had a dog day the other day, and people brought their dogs down, and I just don't go? get it. It was great, and people love it. Yeah. And I don't get it because people, it's worked so well in, in in Britain that why don't we? Even if it's after four o'clock, and I mean, I don't have a dog, but I've got friends who do, and I know they would love to go to the golf club at four o'clock and mm. play six holes and walk the dog. And yeah, I just don't get why it's so objectionable. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I mean, it, 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 there's been a you know there used to be a maintenance component that they would be bad. Of course, now most of the superintendents in the United States seem to have a dog, uh, have which dog, is a yeah. change. Yeah, that was a change, and a lot of them are herding dogs for. You know, scaring off coots or uh, uh, whatever, migrating birds sometimes, or sometimes it's just a companion, so the superintendent can talk to the dog after yeah. after listening to the <laughs> Golf idiots bitch and moan about <laughs> stuff. I mean, it really is they're service yeah, dogs in a way, and then for the maintenance crew and or for chasing rats in the maintenance building, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, we're we're seeing a change, and I think part of it is that I mean, we have the dog calendar that uh, Golfdom does, and and we're seeing more courses see the dog out the superintendent's dog is a celebrity at a lot of courses yeah. mm. and so that has begun to turn some places to where yeah mrs mrs johnson let her bring her little bichon and let it sit in the car nobody cares and so we've started to see kind of a chipping away at it and then i you saw in the book clates i have a list in the back of places that are legitimately dog friendly and, and serve some, some places that are, it's part of their business. They're actually thriving probably because the course sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so it overcomes the bad architecture. Um, and, but you know, it's interesting, the Scots who, uh, I talked about this with the Scotland, it's really more only because of the access to the beach thing 
that that the the the, the dog friendliness is more of if it's it's people going to the beach they're not really too encouraging of it like they are down in in the heathlands where yeah. where really like you say it's just a part of the the way of life so i think we're making progress i hope the book even adds to that i mean there's just going to be places where they're just stuffy and they're just not going to tolerate it but uh in fact if you there's a piece i'm uh, just read on this fight for this golf course in hong kong they want to take a chunk for public housing what did the what did the place do? They 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 had a day where they brought the public and they welcomed them bringing their dog to see what okay. the golf course does and to see the property and how it's a green space. I thought that was a really interesting ploy to get the public behind you because it's just one of these they want to grab just a chunk and you know it'll just screw up the whole property to have take just a corner of it for housing and then you you got to redo the whole routing and. So that's what they did. They brought they brought the dog thing. And okay. I think, yeah. And more and more places are doing one day a week or like Goat Hill, though, you can bring your dog. And yeah, you're supposed to be on the leash. But the smart ones are like, yeah, if the dog's mature enough and ready can handle it, it nobody cares. He's not going to ruin the green. I mean, uh, we don't want diggers or anything. But <laughs> so anyway, so it's it's getting there. It's an interesting change but it's, it's an interesting long. barometer isn't it of the game and who plays it and uh, dogs are a very divisive issue there's a staggeringly divisive issue i think particularly in oh really I know, no i i know yeah. golfers who are so anti the notion of you having your dog on the golf course or people having dogs generally yeah. why does my dad i think you and murray was on mm. about this from the guardian wasn't he a while ago why does why does his coffee have to be interrupted by your dog i think it was something or in the pub it might have been um there was some interesting mm. stuff but yeah there are some and then i've also Strong Other people talked about how bringing their dog, they play better. They like they're relaxed or they're distracted. Um, were they dog breeders? Those people point. trying to sell dogs, Jeff. Were they dog breeders who were saying that by any chance? No, 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 no. They literally convinced were, golfers were, that it, it, get yourself I, it, a dog and your handicap will you, come you, down. You'll play better. It's a Callaway <laughs> exactly dog. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that oh, that's just what we need is the manufacturers to get into the dog breeding. That's right, the dog <laughs> a, a Saint Bernard would be the big birther of, uh, oh, of dogs. The, <laughs> <laughs> the paradigm uh dog oh my yeah. gosh but now i think it's it's going to be one of those fun little things to watch uh again it was a pandemic related thing too there's an element of that so um anyway yeah it'll be fun to see if i get any reaction if we sell some books and people read that and what uh, we'll give it a shove and when it when it's released officially jeff we'll do a, we'll do an episode about it because yeah i mean we just covered we can, a lot but maybe we'll, yeah, we'll we can, there's some topics yeah i don't want to do a bunch of pods where i talk too much about the book and then nobody wants to yeah. read it but there's some well, there's there there are side topics off of it i think yeah. that would be fun what we might do is take some questions from people after oh, the book's been yeah, out for a bit yeah. get readers to send in some questions and just before we go because we are going to wrap up because we've been out yeah, for way too long uh, you and Donegan, Lawrence Donegan with Kelly, you're doing a at the moment a weekly podcast. Is that going to keep going? We're going to try. I mean, he he yeah. you know wants to grow the McKellar yeah. brand, and, uh, and it deserves to grow. By the way, plug for McKellar, fabulous. Yeah, brand. the last issue was. I just told him the other day. On the show, I think it was the best one yet. I finally finished the whole thing. Yeah, you know, I like to. I savor it and take my time. I don't know about you guys, but it every article was was just really enjoyable. Uh, so yeah, I think that uh, I don't know. We're going to try. Um, we have kind of our, uh, strange little takes on things and, uh, yeah, why not? It's, if it's so if you hate Donegan or Shackleford, listen in because it'll really fire you up. And if you love right. Donegan or Shackleford, listen in because you'll really enjoy the banter. So either way, yeah. make sure you listen. 
<laughs> we are trying to do a little bit more of uh, we we Lawrence and I both love a, a podcast here in the U.S. by uh, with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. That's a uh, tech focused, and, and so we're doing a little business kind of probably a little media monitoring. Uh, I mean, we do that a little bit here too, but um, yeah, we're doing less state of the game and more of. Although we did a little state of the game in this most recent issue that just went out on this, and I think it'd be a. I think it'd be a topic. It'd be a great one for us to flesh out when we get here in a couple more weeks with this distance thing, but um, check it out. We, it's about three quarters of the way through the show. We, we go into this idea that the, the manufacturers are starting to, to turn to influencers mm-hmm. instead of players. And, yeah, is, no, for, no. For, and, oh, and is this because they're anticipating bifurcation and is this a play towards realizing that the next way to market is through celebrity and, and cool kids and that that the days of trying to hook us all on buying not us not the three of us but <laughs> other people on buying what the pros play is is what you should be doing that's what i feel yeah, but i want to see what happens with this rules decision and then also just kind of i mean this has just kind of happened in the last i mean no laying up is Gonna title us good, good, and Callaway are gonna do a line of clubs, mm-hmm. bar stools with tailor made, uh, you know, whatever. That's about the extent of state of the I game, know, but nothing, nothing. We haven't had one. Off- I think there's a good reason for that, Rod. <laughs> I think they're we're not exactly the people who would uh, be good at selling um, the if latest. I re- uh, if I recall, it was episode one that Clayton said <laughs> the game would be better off without club car, and that kind of set the tone, didn't it? Without golf cart, yeah. I think it was something like that. Close. So that's one, why they don't advertise. We're only exactly we're only a few minutes in when that gem was dropped, and I think well, it's, it's, set the well, time it's still for, true, right? For <laughs> it's still true. Ever. It's still true. Uh, Enough. Let's go. Anyway, uh, so I think it's a fun thing. Well, let's watch what happens in the next I'm, few weeks. I mean, um, that's a good topic. Interesting topic because it's big. Yeah, it's, no, I th- we've got to think about who to who to. I mean, I, well, Gillis and Gillis uh, would be good. Interesting. Has um, he got time? He does more podcasts than YouTube. I know he does, but I'd I'd love to hear. We've got to find somebody who. Harry Arnett won't do it with us because uh, I'm sure he's probably got, you know, his Callaway, uh, you know, post non-disclosure things or whatever. But I would love to hear Harry's thoughts on yeah. this because he's a great marketer and uh, found that 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 thing where you and TaylorMade's doing it, I think, starting to get it uh, where they, they've got good players. They're doing some influence. They're they're trying to reach out to women. You know, there's that thing where you want to remain sophisticated as a company, but you also want to be fun and likable. And uh, Harry did that really well at Callaway. I mm-hmm. I think they're going to make a mistake if they're like all about the you know a- mm-hmm. appealing to 15 year old boys thing. Um, anyway, but it, I just the more interesting thing for us, of course, is are this does this a little bit of a white flag waving on bifurcation. Mm. I don't know. A, well, you understand what I mean, right? Oh, absolutely, just, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And look, it's always made some sense. I mean, you can oh, see we've the done ad. about forty-five episodes discussing. But you can see, you can <laughs> almost made, see the, the television sense. ad with uh, let's Niall Horan or Bryson. Yeah, he just you know, signed saying, with uh, Galloway. Here I am hitting my you know usual driver. Here's the one you can buy, and it goes forty yards. It's a it's a no brainer. Like it's right. that simple to do. So if I could and play the, with these, I'd shoot twenty under every week. And in the proposal, they essentially created a way where they the face is different for the pros, but they could still sell the same 
everything else. General club or innovate in a way that helps that average person. So well, you also I think it's just going to be, we're going to, we're going to learn a lot in the next yeah. month. Well, you create the second market too, or, Jeff. There's a whole core of golfers out there and PXG proved this who will overpay for something that the pros use just so they can say what they're probably that they're using with it. And, and so you've created this, you get this premium product. Okay. Here's your bifurcated clubs. Sure. Right. If you think you're good enough playing off two, buy the pro. Keep buying them. Sure. It's yeah. three times the price, but hey, you can walk around with pro stamped on the back of your club. There's a business in that. So I, 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 I we've always believed that. And we yeah. know that uh, our, our friends in the industry have not agreed with it, but maybe, maybe that's. Well, maybe it makes some sense. It's not really, a, it just makes sense when you lay out the cases like this is really makes some sense in terms of business. You're going to sell yeah. more golf clubs at a, but anyway, long term. But and man, boy, have they been, well, and then Titleist will still fight it all. So, <laughs> well, they're in, an, well, let's not because <laughs> we'll be, no, 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 no. But let me think about that. We've got to think about who that person is, who, who, Gillis might who, be able to help might, us. I'll send him an email yeah, and ask if he okay, knows anybody who can also, give that bigger prism look than just golf. That's the other thing too. We get stuck in golf marketing. I know. It's a specialized area, but what's the bigger view say about how we yeah. do golf marketing? That's for next time. Shaq. Uh, uh, well, quickly, check. quickly, seven no, mile. Where, where, where are we, Clates? What's the update? And then we'll uh, I was down this yesterday. Matt, hour Matt Goggin. Matt Goggins down there this week before he's playing the Vic Open next week. Um, it's going well. We um, we're solving the water problem, I think, which is good because water is always an issue down. And and people think Tasmania is wet. The west coast of Tasmania it rains every day. The east coast it doesn't rain at all. Hobart, out at Seven Mile Beach is basically. I mean, Mike DeVries called it a desert. Yeah, this place is basically a desert. So it actually rained yesterday, which was amazing. But there's groundwater, so we're we're sort of solving the water problem, which is critical to everything. But it's um, it's going well. I mean, Mike's a great guy to work with. He's out there every day on his dozer shaping stuff, and you know you, you you see how good those good guys are when you see them building stuff that's just better than everything else. You know, it's brilliant. So I mean, obviously there are five or six architects out there now who are everyone knows their names who are doing great stuff, and Mike's one of those guys, and. It's just fun to watch him create great holes. We are very lucky so, in Australia. So, so I think it's going to be a successful business because it's it's the first one of these kind of remote golf courses that isn't remote. It's yeah. right, you know, next it's to an 10, airport. It's, it's ten minutes in the airport and twenty five <laughs> yeah. minutes in the city, and it's all Bamboogle and Bandon and Sand Valley and all these Castle Stewart. All these things are in the middle of nowhere, but mm. this is great land in a city, really. So it's. Yeah. Albeit a smallish city by world still you know, 20, right, but but, but you know it's two hundred fifty thousand people, and, yeah. yeah, and it's mm. close to the airport, and it's I think it's going to do really well, which is great because you know Matt and the guys who are investing in it have put their their balls on the line, and it's you know it's it's cost a lot of money to do this stuff. Of course, yeah, it's yeah. not cheap. Well, you're not. So, Devries isn't cheap. You, you're, building a golf course isn't cheap, is it? So well, you'd be surprised uh, how cheap <laughs> they are. But, but you know, it's, it's one of those projects that it's worth doing for a. You know, it's just worth well, doing it for what you do it for. Yeah, that's the legacy apart from anything else. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, you, just, you know, what, I mean, what, what you get paid for, I mean, I, I would do it for free because it's yeah. such a cool job. Shh, uh, Goggin might listen. Yeah, don't yeah, no. yeah, don't, <laughs> yeah Goggin. Hopefully we've lost him at this point. He'll, uh, he'll take you up on that. Uh, by the way, just on Matt, did a fabulous episode of the Australian Golf Passport podcast with Matt Mollica and Scott Warren, which is, but you've been on there as well, Clades. It's a really good podcast. Anyway, I have that one queued up. I'm, I, it's, yeah. It's good. good. Matt is real, for me, Matt is really becoming the player slash 
game spokesperson of his yeah. generation. He's that. There's there's one or two in each generation. I think Jeff's been one. Jeff Ogilvy, Clates, you're a bit that way. I think Matt's yeah. in that same kind yeah. of mold. Uh, uh, going circling back to what we were talking about, how much money these guys make. The irony is that Matt Goggin and Zach Blair are the two tour players mm-hmm. who've put their money into building great golf yeah. courses. Yeah. When when there are tens of them who could just could out of their out of their pocket change yeah. go and fund a ten million dollar golf course and not even know not even know they'd lost it. Yeah. They, they wouldn't even notice it. Yet here's you know Zach Blair and Matt Goggin who've done nicely out of the game, but they haven't made what Phil Mickelson's made. No. 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 I've heard there's a there's a certain live golfer who's who's hunting for a Oh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be. I can't. Stop I that. That's enough. He's hunting for a golf course to buy because he's he's being he's being uh, uh, shut out everywhere he'd like to to play. <laughs> but we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll I'm That's still cool. trying to button up the details on that one. Okay, right. but it's pretty pretty funny story. It sounds like. Shaq, it's been good to chat. Thank you. Mate. I like leaving with a with a little yeah. teaser. Yeah, like that, that. that's okay. the cliffhanger. They'll come back for our next episode yep. in four months' time yeah. to find out what the, <laughs> the player was <laughs> and what he ends up for. And Clates, thank you, mate. Always great to catch up with you as well. Thanks, Rod. Great, great to catch up. It's been too long, and next time we're too far away. I take yeah. full. We got a lot coming up. Yeah, yep. it's usually been one of you two that's at fault, but this time it's been me at fault for not getting us <laughs> off the ground. So my apologies. That's it for episode one hundred and twenty, whatever it was of State of the Game. We'll be back next time here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a Talk and Golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.